0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stocks for beginners. Most people aren't long-term investors. We say that we're long-term, right? But we're not long-term, right? We're we're more like two, three weeks, maybe a year. So a person who got in, it's a slight pullback, let me get in. They probably feel bad right now. So it's very important to do your research. It's it's very important to uh, not make a knee-jerk decision when the stock is down. Sometimes the stock is down for a reason. You might not want to buy it. You might want to see kind of what else is going on.
1: Hi and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. There's never been a better time to start investing. No matter who you are or where you come from, the tools are there to start taking your financial life seriously. Joining me today to shed some light on how young African-Americans in the finance industry are changing the game is Mario Payne. Hello Mario.
0: Hey Phil, how we doing today?
1: really well thank you. Mario is a certified financial planner with his own investment firm Tomes Financial and in February he also launched the first black-owned AI-powered ETF on the New York Stock Exchange. So before we get started talking about all those details tell us about your background and how you ended up and arrived in the finance industry.
0: Wow, so that's that's a good question. First and foremost, Phil, you have a great radio voice. I don't know if anybody (laughs) has told me that before, but it's it's like the the quiet stone with Phil, right? uh, Oh, well, uh, it's uh,
1: because I've been inspired by by Al, Marvin, and Curtis.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) there we go, there we go. So from a finance standpoint, I'm born and raised in Cincinnati, Um, so I'm from Cincinnati originally, went to college. Uh, When I was in college, I interned for a Fortune 500 company. Uh, That Fortune 500 company hired me out of college. Once I uh, got out of college, though, great, rocking and rolling. They had me on assignment to basically save them money, which I did. So it was was like a six month assignment. Uh, I saved the company literally four and a half million dollars. Now, inflation is out the yin yang, as we know. But back in 2006, four and a half million dollars is like 16 to 20 million dollars today. Right. So I saved them a lot of money. Philip, don't you know uh, my gift of saving them that money was a pizza party? <laughs> uh, it wasn't a promotion. It wasn't a, um, a raise. It was a uh, pizza party. So I knew then I analyzed their company. I analyzed their books. I found ways for them to make money, how to cut expenses, how to have more revenue. Uh, so if I can do that for myself and I can do that for clients and make them money, that's what I want to do. So I started the research back in 2006. Google and YouTube was not as prevalent as it is now. So I did some research. I stumbled upon being a financial advisor. And I went through the process of uh, trying to get hired. Uh, I interviewed and did applications for six different companies. Uh, I got hired with Edward Jones in 2007. From 2007 to 2013, I was an employee for Edward Jones, building my book of business, building my practice. And then in 2013, that's when I said, you know what, I can do this for myself. And that's when I launched my firm. Uh, So it will be our 10-year anniversary of having my own firm next year. I'm SEC registered. Uh, I'm a fiduciary, I'm a certified financial planner. I got my CFP back in 2012 and and, uh, just extremely blessed.
1: And you operate out of Florida, I believe, Jacksonville?
0: Yeah, Jacksonville, the financial mecca of the world. (laughs) But believe it or not, though, square foot-wise, Jacksonville is actually the largest uh, square foot-wise city in America. So we do have that to brag about.
1: Um, Tomes, that's the name of your company. What does Tomes stand for? And more importantly, what does it mean for you?
0: Yeah, great question. So when I started my practice uh, back in twenty thirteen, uh, it was actually called MJP Financial because you know my name is Mario Joseph Payne, right? So I gotta miss me. It's my firm, right? But uh, and of course, when I started my practice, I had a couple hundred clients. You know, my staff wasn't as big as it is now. You know, we have a, a pretty large staff uh, today. So uh, I had an epiphany last year. Uh, I was at a church and um, pastor was kind of talking about kind of giving back and kind of what, what is your gifts. So I was like, you know, I'm going to change my name. So tomes, the T stands for tithe, the O stands for offering, the A stands for alms, means stewardship. So tithe, offering, alms means stewardship. So the thought process is if I'm being a steward of your money, if I'm having your money grow, if I'm maximizing your gains, minimizing your losses, then, of course, you should make more money. If you're able to make more money then you, you know, if you're a believer, you know, will be tithing more, be offering more. You have more money, so you give your gifts uh, that the Lord gave you in different ways as well, and you're being a steward. So, uh, so that's where I came up with the name.
1: Uh, and do you find that um, is a process that um, that it works that um, actually trying to help other people helps you in terms of uh, maximizing your own returns as well? I mean, that, that sounds <laughs> awful actually saying it that way because you, it sounds like you're doing it for selfish reasons, but I don't mean it that
0: well, way. Well, I mean, um, any financial advisor would not be telling you the truth if they said that they were investing the client's money or got into this business not to uh, make money. So definitely, yes, uh, it's great. You're able to provide for your family. I've been able to do things that I, as a financial advisor, that if I worked in other career paths, I would not be able to do financially. So it's definitely a blessing to, uh, to, to, to be compensated. But going to sleep at night, knowing that you did what's right for the client. I'm, I'm a fiduciary. So um, so we have to do what's right for the client. We have to put the client's interest at, at heart. And then for my soul, from a Christian standpoint, I definitely think I'll be rewarded uh, when it's all said and done. So I don't know if you could put a price on it. But but definitely it's awesome I'm in a position to help people and, and, and Lord willing I continue to help people as long as I can.
1: So let's get back onto underserved communities in the United States. And I was shocked when one of my guests told me how difficult it is just even for people to open a bank account if they don't have a great deal of money. This must be a real hurdle for People trying to get even the most basic start in financial education and financial growth.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So, individuals, you know, go through time periods of their life, good and bad, right? So, if a person, um, you know, got into some legal trouble, um, got into some financial trouble, so so you think about when I was in college. Uh, now, again, things are different, uh, but uh, in the early two thousands, you know, when I was in college, literally when you first going to campus, um, we had a student center, right? The student center, it was probably like six or seven different credit card companies, right? Uh, soliciting you to get their credit card. You know, you buy this credit card to get books, buy this credit card to get shoes. If you don't have a part-time job, you kind of need to, to help with your tuition, right? So a lot of people get themselves in trouble. A young college student who gets themselves financially in trouble, who maxes out their credit card or maxes out two, three, four, five credit cards, they're gonna be in some trouble. So then when it comes to getting a loan, when it comes to trying to open up a business, when it comes to, you know, trying to buy a house, even buy their first car, if they have financial trouble because of things they've done in the past, it's it's gonna hurt them. They might not be able to open up that bank account with the bank because they they've seen them delinquent. Uh, some individuals go through bankruptcy, right? So it doesn't mean that a person is a bad person person. It's just that they made a a financial mistake. And that's why it's great. Now we have so many outlets of financial literacy. We have podcasts like yourself. We have other podcasts. We have YouTube. Now, if YouTube is some fluff as well, so you just want to do your research on who's telling you good advice and bad advice, but definitely there's resources out there that's going to help a person make those types of decisions in a positive way um, so that if they did get themselves in financial trouble, they don't get themselves in more financial trouble by doing the wrong thing. And they're also often starting on
1: the wrong foot with the student debt as well on top of these credit cards and things that they're, um,
0: you know, you, you, you're suddenly grown up, you're out of home and you want to have everything, don't you? Yeah. And, you know, stu- student debt, you know, that's like a silent assassin. So for me, um, I was in the military. So uh, so when, when I was in school, not all, because I was a Reserve, I was an active duty army, but uh, about 65 to 70% of my school was paid for through the military. Uh, my girlfriend and college now wife, um, you know, she was in state. So she was in state. She has some scholarships and we, let's see. So when we graduated, it was probably about nine years after she graduated till we actually paid off her student loans. And for us, because of me growing my practice and things of that nature, I was able to put more, you know, towards the student loans getting out of college. So think about a person who maybe um, didn't have the best grades in college and who kind of gets out of school and, you know, the job or the occupation that they wanted when they got out of college wasn't there. And they're kind of building, just kind of just making it. They might have some children, they might have a wife, and they're not able to put as much as we were, you know, that, that might might strap you for years. You know, you have some people that, you know, they can be 50, 60 years old still paying their college debt. You know, think about doctors. You know, doctors make a, a nice amount of money depending on if they're surgeons or not surgeons. But if they're coming out of school with $250,000, dollars $400,000, that's a lot of money. So you're definitely right. Uh, student loans uh, is tough. So from a client standpoint, one of the things that we talk about, you know, the first two years. Uh, Of college, you know, you can do community college right now. Community college is not as, quote unquote, sexy as, you know, college college. Right. It's not as fun. No sororities and fraternities like a four year college or a major college. But if you do go to community college, you know, it's a lot less expensive. You have your core classes. When you're done with your core classes, then maybe you go to that big university, you know, for your, you know, if you want a business degree or, or some type of degree. Also, from a college standpoint, now you have a lot of online classes. You know, you can do like like a Google coding uh, it's, it's companies out there that do like boot camps. If you want to get into tech where you might not have to go to college, but if you go to those boot camps and get the certifications, sometimes they help you get a job. I mean, it's, it's tech jobs where you can make 80, 90, 100, $120,000 with no degree. Now it's a process. You have to go through that boot camp. You have to get your certifications. But if you are able to get your certifications, then that's going to help you. So you don't have that 10, 20, 30, $100,000 of student loans.
1: Let's turn to Let Bob. Is that the correct name? Let Bob. Yep.
0: Let Bob. Yes. Let, Let Bob. Yes. Yep.
1: And I, I, I'm just taking this straight from the the website where it says the median net worth for Black households is currently twenty four thousand dollars, compared to one hundred and eighty eight thousand for White households, according to McKinsey and Company. How do you see this as being changed? How can this be changed?
0: That's a tough question. So first and foremost, um, I think education, right? From education standpoint, you have other other nationalities besides African Americans that may have some more better education, higher education. Um, so that that's with anything uh, you can look at any statistic, any chart, right? The higher the education, from you know graduate, I mean to not not going to college, right? Going to college but not finishing, graduating, postgraduate. You know, doctorate things of that nature. Your income goes up. So the more individuals that have better education and higher education, I think that's going to help. Also, technology. I truly believe from a technology standpoint, technology is the future. Uh, the actual founder. So I'm an investor in Bob, but the actual founder in Bob, um, you know, he's big on tech. Uh, he actually went to a HBCU as well. Famu graduated there. Tech is the ultimate game changer. It's the ultimate equalizer. So if you think about it. We talked about uh, earlier you know individual coding or doing classes on youtube right so i might not because of financial reasons because of background i might not be able to afford to go to a college but if i'm able to teach myself how to code if i'm able to go on youtube that you know is free and and learn how to code if i'm able to get certifications then you know i don't have to spend tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars in some instances to go to a university i can teach myself, I can go a crash course. So now by having those certifications, I get hired at a company where I'm coding, making 80, 90, $100,000 a year. So I think that from a technology standpoint is gonna help bridge the wealth gap per se. And then also to take it a step further, the justice system, how things are set up. It is what it is. More African-Americans find themselves in trouble um, as they are younger. And once they're in the system, it's hard for them to kind of get out. Everybody makes mistakes. Um, Some people get caught. Some people don't get caught. But uh, but those mistakes that some African Americans make hurt them. So I think if we have some reform uh, with the judicial system, I think that's going to help as well. So uh, so those are some some few things that I think that'll help kind of bridge from an income standpoint uh, why uh, Caucasian households are are have a greater income compared to African American households.
1: Well, tell us about Let Bob.
0: Um, What what what's the the whole process and um, how does Let Bob work? Yeah, Let Bob is amazing. So um, so we launched our ETF uh, on the market back in February. Um, so the symbol is L-E-T-B. So we have things proprietary that we're able to... Now, as I take a step back, nobody knows guide the future right Mm -hmm. and of course uh past performance does not give you future results as i put on my fiduciary hat right (laughs) that's That's right right. and this is not
1: this is not we're not trying to sell anything and um, you know uh, consult a financial advisor before (laughs) making any investments (laughs) so now we've got all the disclaimers out of the way and the
0: compliance (laughs) yeah of course yeah yeah so and and even with with my clients even though i have my own etf on the market from a diversification standpoint all my clients are not in my fund i mean you know Uh, That's just, you know, you want to be diversified. However, though, we do have things in place where we're able to not predict, but do a good job of, of, of kind of identifying what the market's doing. So if you're able to maximize your gain, so if the market is going up and you're able to take advantage of that in a positive way, that's great. More importantly, from a Preservation of capital standpoint. And we are going through that now with the market being down, right? Uh, Preserving your capital. If we're able to kind of get you out the market or preserve your capital before the market really goes down, we've done our job. So from an investment standpoint, if you consistently, not all the time, but if you consistently go up when the market's going up. consistently not go down as much when the market goes down you're going to outperform the market Uh, i mean definitely this year you can definitely google letb um you know everything is transparent the great thing about having a a fund is not you know what a person says that they're doing or or what their clients are making it's transparent you know um you know we performed very 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 well compared to the market this year
1: so the etf is um Artificial intelligence, um, yes, algorithmic uh, trading. well, but without and I know that's proprietary. but um just tell us a little bit more about it. which um which universe of stocks are you investing in and um, how is
0: the capital protected? Yeah, great question. So the benchmark is the Russell. I mean, so definitely if you Google, you see our our, our benchmark is the Russell. We look at, you know, all the stocks on the Russell 2000. Uh, We have different um, data uh, that's created to make everything uh, automated, which, again, we talk about technology, right? The the great game game changer, right? Think about a person who is at work, right? If if I'm at work, just working a job, providing for my family, it's 10 o'clock, you know, I look at the market and I own a stock, right? The stock is down, And then just like today, right, the market opened up down and then closed the business. It was very, very down. Right. (laughs) So uh, but if I had something in place from an automation standpoint that kind of triggered and automatically got out, you know, I would have preserved my capital. Right. So those are some of the things that we do from an automation standpoint, we're able to have triggers in place so that you're get out, you know, when we see fit from automation standpoint. But then more importantly, you know, we get in, when we see fit as well because it's it's a two-way street, right? It's great for individuals who sold their investments back in January or back in February. They feel awesome, right? Uh you know, the Nasdaq was down over 30%, Russell down over 30%. On 100 grand, I've saved myself $30,000. I feel so good. But that's only part of the battle, right? When do I get back in? Right. If I if I wait to get back in till, you know, the market gets back up, I've kind of missed out. I didn't lose any money, but I didn't gain. So if you're able to kind of get out, you know, when things are high and get back in when things are low, then that's kind of the best of both worlds. Right. We got it right on the upside. We got it right on the downside. And from an automation standpoint, you know, we're able to kind of do those types of things inside of the ETF.
1: And that's an important thing about investing, because you're kind of um, implying it, but without saying it, it is that psychology plays such a big part, and how you look at the market as today, and um, we're recording on the 22nd of August, and um, when you see a day like this, and not only are you seeing a day like this, but you're watching CNBC, and you're watching um, so much news about it, and maybe reading online forums, and there's panic in the air. And that's really so important
0: for people to understand that they need to move away from that. Yes. And, you know, panic paralyzes individuals with investments, right? So you think about Mm. 2008. I was talking to a a client uh, earlier today about this. If a person got out in 2008, they felt great. But if they didn't Mm. get back in until 2013... Ah. <laughs> yeah. I've lost money. You know, we don't think about it that way, but inflation happened over five years. Right. So the person who got out in 2008 and got back in in, in 2009, you know, they did it right because they got out and they got back in. Typically, if we kind of sur- circle back from African-American standpoint, there was a study being done over 60 percent of African-Americans, first time investors, uh, if they first lose on an investment, it takes them on average, 18 months to invest again. So think about that, right? We have market cycles. Market cycles usually in between four to five years, right? So if I get out when it's high, if I get, I mean, I'm sorry, when it's low, excuse me, I get back in, I get out mm-hmm. when it's low and I am buy investment when it's high, I lose in two different sectors, right? If an investment was worth $100, I sell it when it's at 70, $70. Now then i wait until it gets back to 100 again, I've lost $30 on the downside, but now it costs me $30 to buy it again. Like that's $60 right there, right? That's, I mean, percentage wise, that's, that's basically 50% if you kind of pair the the up and the down. Mm. Um, so the parallelization is real. People call it, you know, FOMO, the fear of missing out. You know, you had a lot of people probably Friday and probably today, uh, you know, that, that bought into the market. Now, long-term, You know, with the NASDAQ being down 20 percent, yes, long term, close my eyes, wake up five years from now you're buying something at 20% down, it's pretty good, right? But most people aren't long-term investors. We say that we're long-term, right? <laughs> but we're not long-term, right? We're, we're more like two, three weeks, maybe a year. So a person who got in on Friday or got in today saying, hey, it's a slight pullback. Let me get in. They probably feel bad right now. So it's very important to do your research. It's, it's very important to uh, not make a knee-jerk decision when the stock is down. Sometimes the stock is down for a reason. You might not want to buy you might want to see kind of what else is going on within the industry, within the sector. What, what's going on with management? Uh, what's going on with, with financials? I mean, we look at a, a stock like Target, right? Target went down, and a lot of people bought it. We look up three months later, and down, down again because of their inventory. So just because the stock is down doesn't mean it's a buy. You would, would really want to do your research. And for professional money managers, you know that's that's their job. The average retail person, not so much. You think about day trading, right? Ninety percent of retail day traders lose. They have information. Google, Google's free. Bloomberg, for the most parts, free. Let's have Bloomberg terminal. Uh, you have Market Watch, right? You have free information. So with that free information, we still continue to do the wrong thing. I say all that to say, uh, you definitely want to do your research. You definitely want to make sure the companies that you're buying are solid companies. And if you don't think that you're able to do the research, buy an ETF. Like a let be, you want to be diversified, not all let be, but you want to buy ETS that does the research for you to make sure that you, you know, prayerfully uh, maximize your gain and also min- minimize your losses. What do you tell young people who are investing for the first time? Close your eyes and enjoy the ride, <laughs> literally, because uh, you have up days and bad days. Uh, a person who invested January twenty twenty, they hated themselves. A person who invested. April of 2020, they think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? So mm-hmm. three months seems like a long, I mean, a short period of time, but for the investors, a long period of time is about executing, right? A person who invested in 2020, uh, like I said, in January, they, they look up, they're down by 20, 30, 40%, depending on the index, right? Uh, a person who invested in March, April, May, They feel like a genius right now. Right. So you don't get it right all the time. Mm. Stocks that we buy, you have good stocks, bad stocks, horrible stocks, great stocks. So so you you don't get it right all the time. But you don't want to do, as we talked about earlier, you don't want to buy a stock. It goes down. Then you say, forget about it. Throw down your laptop. Throw down your your phone. I'm never going to invest ever again. You 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 have to take that good with the bad. The bad with the good but literally uh close your eyes and enjoy the ride uh seriously though from a dollar cost average standpoint we recommend a person a dollar cost average times like now right the market is trimming down from october of last year to now so yes we're buying high but as the market continues to go down we're buying lower we're buying lower so as the market gets back to where it was those investments that you bought today you being consistent are going to grow, are going to grow significantly once the market gets back to where it was. So enjoy the ride, be consistent, dollar cost average. Uh, Those are some some of the things that you want to look into.
1: Dollar cost averaging is when you um, actively put in a certain amount, say each week or each month into the market, no matter where the market is
0: going up or down at that particular time. Yeah, correct. Because nobody has a crystal ball. I mean, so Mm. we have an idea what the market is going to do next week, next year, five years, but we don't know Completely right, so but we do know is that the value of companies go up and down. So, if you're able to buy long term companies when they're down, you're going to make more money. If you buy companies when they're up and they go up further over time, you're going to make money again, right? So, since we don't know the perfect time of it going up or going down by you putting in the same amount of money and being consistent, right? It's, It's like it's like practice, right? They said Michael Jordan was the hardest. Practice player of all, was the reason why, in some people's opinion, now I would think LeBron James whole different conversation, but people would say that you know um, Ma- Michael Jordan, you know is is the goat, you know uh, Kobe Bryant the same way he was relentless in practice. I mean, he would curse people out, he would make people you know stay later. I mean, he was so keen on practice that he wanted to get practice early by, you know, rest of by getting helicopters and, and flying over the traffic to and from so he can get to practice and practice more. You should look at investing the same way. If I continue to be consistent every single week, dollar cost average, you want to research, you know, typically during the week, when does the market usually go down, right? Some people sue studies to say it's Monday. Some look at studies to say Friday. Well, if that's, over a week time frame, the days where the market's going to be down, we might want a dollar cost average on that day, right? Because we might get a better share price. So, so you want to do your research and be consistent by dollar cost averaging that allow you to have some some nice uh, profits over time if we're consistent.
1: And uh, that's one of the things about dollar cost averaging now is that um, fees are so low and brokerage fees are so low. Oh yes, um, that it becomes a no brainer, really, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. And think about technology, right? So that's one of the things that that we talked about earlier in the conversation. Um, And I I was part of it, Uh, you know, just not part of it, but from a financial world. You know, when I started 15 years ago, it was commissions. Uh, You had A-share mutual funds where, you know, you had to pay an upfront commission of up to 5%. Now you're like, why would somebody pay 5% to invest their money somewhere? But that's how it was in 06 and 07 when I first started, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of investors, young and African-Americans who don't have that upfront cachet, shied away from investing. But with technology, companies like Webull, companies like Robinhood, companies like, you know, our, our, our uh, platform, uh, LetBob.com, that allows an individual to basically buy and sell stocks at 0% commissions. Now, all those companies are making money. So. So uh, Robin Hood, Webull, you know, the discount brokerage, you know, when they say zero commissions, yes, zero commissions. But they're making money. I mean, there's no no charity. It costs money to do the things they do from regular regulation standpoint, if I can talk. Um, but definitely from a technology standpoint that has allowed new investors to get in, not need tons of money. Now you have fractional shares right now. Amazon split. But you know, before the split, Amazon was very expensive, right? You know, who who has you know thousand, two, three thousand dollars to buy Amazon? But with technology and the creation of fractional shares, you can buy a piece of Amazon, so you can have the growth, percentage wise, not dollar wise, of course, right? <laughs> but uh, but still, so with fractional shares and technology, as we talk about, I definitely think um, that is a a game changer, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. A year from now, because one year of technology is like five years in, in human years, right? So one year from now, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, it'll be interesting to see how much more technology will help retail investors and also institutional investors as well, everybody. And it's it's also dispiriting for young investors
1: when they get started and they might only be putting $5 a week away, for example, and yeah. and they see their balance growing, growing, and it's not it's not going anywhere. But again, it's looking at that long-term picture, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is, and uh, so I'm also a, a Dave Ramsey, a smart investor. So I'm endorsed by, uh, by by Dave Ramsey, and so he he put up a post uh, about um I want to say two months ago, and it was if a person maxes out their Roth IRA over a 30 year time period, they would have over 1.2 million dollars in a regular index fund, right? So maxing out my Roth IRA takes discipline. Right. So maybe when I'm a 22 year old, I don't do it. But if I'm 30 and I have the cash, I can do it. Yes. From 30 to 60. That's a pretty fun ride. Now, it's going to be a bumpy ride. If we're in the market, we're going to have good days, bad days, good years like last year, bad years like this year. But being consistent and dollar cost averaging, as we're talking about, you know, you're going to be quite happy and you're going to feel great about your portfolio years down the road. In terms of
1: education and in terms of talking to a young person who is starting investing for the first time, there's such a universe out there that they could be going into. They could be going into ETFs, individual stocks, uh, mutual funds, whatever. And I'm just thinking about um, a guest that I've just been interviewing and about talking about just focusing on one thing just to get started, because really that's where the education comes in. Learning, doing is learning, I think is the phrase that he used.
0: One thing—that's uh, a loaded question, right? So mm. it depends on where you're at from an investment standpoint. So I would mm. always recommend before you do any investing, you do your research. You do your research on what company that you want to. You know, we don't we don't want to follow the masses, right? I mean, look, look what's going on to the meme stocks. Uh, literally two weeks ago, Bed Bath and Beyond literally almost doubled in price, and then a day later it's down by seventy five percent. Right. So if I got in at its high and its high took three and a half days, so three and a half days. And now I invest a hundred dollars and now it's worth twenty five. I'm probably not going to invest again for a while. Right. Mm, so mm. you want to do your research. You want to see why it's being propped up. Right. You want to see trends, you know, AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, GameStop. The same thing is kind of happening where it props up and props down. Right. So, so you, you want to see why it's happening. You want to do your research. That would be, be the first thing to do before you do anything, research. Then once you do your research, we, we want to execute. Before you execute, you want to have a plan. Am I going to dollar cost average? Am I going to put in one lump sum? Uh, I never recommend a person putting in one lump sum. Even if it's, hey, I got this money I want to invest. Yes, but let's do it over a two, three-month time period. Right? If a person invested in June, great. June, July, uh, August is kind of back down a little bit. So you got some investments at a lower price. So um, after you do your research, you find a company or the ETF or the fund that you want to invest in. You want to execute. Before you execute, though, you want to come up with a plan. But the first thing you want to do is do a research, um, because if you don't research, uh, you just invest your money, close your eyes, hope for the best. You're setting yourself up for failure. Uh, just to be quite honest, e- even an index fund. So yes, over time, an index fund is going to grow. You know, our ETF is going to grow, but you just want to do your research, though. You know, it- it's your hard-earned money.
1: And that's part of the educational process, really, isn't it?
0: Educating yourself. Yeah, c- correct. And, and you know, I find even even when, when I do research, this a client, I say, hey, you know, look at this company. What do you think? You know, the more research and the more. I know about that company, the better I feel about that investment, right? Uh, so it's been times that I found out about companies uh, by doing research. And and you know, so the more you know about something, the, the, the better you feel about your decision. So that might not make have you make that knee-jerk reaction if it goes down. Or you might, after doing your research, say, I know it's going to go down again because of XYZ, and I invest at that time. Lastly, look at the charting, right? So it's this debate about fundamental analysis technical analysis. I am on a camp of technical analysis. Technical analysis cannot show you what the stock is going to do in the future, but it does give you a background of how it acted in the past. So with that background, you're able to make a educated decision on how it's going to act when it comes to investing, when to get in, right? Same investment. If it's worth a hundred dollars, now it's down to 75, same investment. It's better to get in at 75 Compared to 100, doing some technical analysis might allow you to stop and not make the decision to invest at 100, and it might make you kind of pair back a little bit, wait a while, and do it at 75.
1: Patience in the market. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> like it, is
0: there? <laughs> Patience is the virtue.
1: So tell us, tell listeners how they can find out more about you and especially your ec- excellent Instagram channel.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, everybody loves my Instagram. It's a way for me to give a, a, a comedic spin on investing. You know, people think investing is, you know, this, um, just, oh, just old art form, just old investing. I, I just like to be fun, have fun videos. I go different places and talk about a company. So I'm giving research in a fun way, but, uh, my Instagram is Thomas financial. So T O A M S Financial. Uh, that's my Instagram, Facebook, Thomas Financial, uh, LinkedIn, Thomas Financial, Twitter, Thomas Financial. Uh, we have a TikTok page for a little younger crowd you know, kind of breaks down investing from a very comedic young standpoint. That's actually called Painful Profits. So P A Y N E F U L P R O F I T S. Painful profits uh, uh that's pretty cool uh, then of course um our etf again is let be you can definitely go to our website please do your research go to our website letbob.com, l-e-t-b-o-b.com uh, if you want to be with our investment app we're basically like robin hood but some things that kind of helps you before you make any bad decision investment wise you go to our website sign up and uh, that'll help you as well
1: mario Payne, thank you very much for joining me today
0: thank you peace you guys have a good one
1: If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears, so you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So, join us on a real-play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy action. Mystery. Friendship.